0: On October 24, 1990, Italian Prime Minister Giulio Andriotti made a shocking revelation to Parliament. He revealed the existence of a vast network of undercover soldiers, trained by the CIA and NATO, that served as what's called a stay-behind army, a web of guerrilla cells that would activate in case of a Soviet invasion. Though Andreotti denied it, it was later discovered that these clandestine groups were also instructed to overthrow the government if left factions were elected to a majority in the Italian parliament. Their members included scores of neo-Nazis and ardent fascists who fought for the axis in World War II. As a war with the USSR failed to materialize, these secret units used weapons and explosives provided to them by the CIA to carry out bombings, murders, massacres, kidnappings, and all manner of domestic terror as part of what's called a strategy of tension, a plan to coordinate a series of false flag terrorist attacks across the country in order to shift Italian politics to the right. The name of this secret program within Italy was Gladio, and after its existence became public knowledge it was soon revealed that similar stay-behind armies existed throughout all of europe including france denmark belgium west germany norway spain portugal luxembourg the netherlands turkey switzerland great britain and greece operation gladio is now commonly used to refer to all of these clandestine armies though technically it only refers to operations within italy Since this is obviously a pretty voluminous subject, I won't be able to get into the history of each of these groups, but today I'd like to talk a little bit about the run-up to the establishment of these covert armies, highlight a few different examples of their handiwork from across Europe, and finish with their reveal to the public. Thanks for tuning in this week, you're listening to Hidden History. I'm Ellis Tucci, and this is episode 113, Gladio. Hidden History is always available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course, www.hiddenhistory.show. If you like this episode, then consider subscribing or sharing with a friend. One quick item of housekeeping, the weekend after next, I will be out of town, but fret not. There will still be two episodes in July. The episode that would be coming out on the 10th will now go live on the 17th, followed by a regularly scheduled episode on the 24th. With that, let's dive in. Like most Cold War topics, we can trace the inception of Gladio, which I'll be using to refer to all the aforementioned stay-behind groups, to the end of the Second World War. In the mid-to-late 1940s, as the boundaries between Eastern and Western blocs began to solidify, there was an emerging belief among Western military leaders that the Soviet Union had the strength and determination to invade the capitalist nations of Western Europe. Now, whether or not this is a realistic belief, I won't be litigating here. I think you could certainly make a compelling argument that it wasn't, but what's important to know is that this fear motivated military leaders to think of ways that they could organize resistance groups against the Soviets. In World War II, groups like the French Resistance only cropped up after France had been occupied, so it stood to reason that anti-Soviet resistance groups could be much more well-equipped and organized if they were created and embedded long before any invading force arrived. Due to the clandestine nature of Gladio, there are a lot of details that we still don't know. But we do know that Italy was one of the first targets. The 1948 Italian parliamentary elections were projected to bring Italy's strong Communist Party into power. The CIA obviously couldn't have people participating in free and open elections, so it engaged in a campaign of smears and sabotage that eventually saw their own party, the Christian Democrats, take power and exclude the communists from any managerial government positions. In collaboration with British MI6 and NATO, there was actually a militant wing of the Christian Democrats that was prepared to seize power if the communists won after all. We don't have a specific date, but shortly after this astounding electoral victory, likely sometime in 1951, the CIA, through the American Embassy in Rome, began organizing the first cells of Operation Gladio. These secret soldiers were recruited from far-right elements in the Italian military and special forces. Many were fascists who fought for Mussolini and Hitler. Starting in the late 50s, they were trained in secrecy at a fortified base on the island of Sardinia. All of this was funded by the CIA. After their training was complete, they were deployed to northern Italy, where communist sympathies were highest, and given access to secret bunkers and over 130 caches of plastic explosives, machine guns, and ammunition, all provided by the United States government. Though highly anticipated, the Cold War never turned hot, and so as the years passed, these groups found themselves increasingly idle. Well, I say idle... They were actually pretty busy, they just never got to fight the Soviets. As I mentioned earlier, another goal of Operation Gladio was to keep leftists and communists out of government, and steadily move society to the right through a series of coordinated terror campaigns. This, unfortunately, kept them quite busy. Throughout 1969, there were a series of mysterious and seemingly random bombings. On April 25th, a bomb went off in the Fiat Pavilion at the Milan Trade Fair, injuring 20. On August 8th and 9th, eight bombs exploded on seven trains, injuring 11. Then, at 4.30 in the afternoon, on December 12th, 1969, a bomb ripped through the Banca Nazionale dell'Agricoltura in Milan. The bank was filled with farmers there to deposit their meager earnings from the day's market. It killed 17. 17 and wounded 38. In the immediate aftermath of what's known as the Piazza Fontana bombing, the Italian government was quick to point the finger at anarchists and communists, rounding them up with no evidence and throwing hundreds in prison. A railway worker named Giuseppe Pinelli died when he quote-unquote fell from a fourth-story window during police interrogation. This, of course, was the intended result. Years later, it was discovered that the bombs had actually been planted by the far-right group Ordine Nuovo, which was funded and supplied by the CIA. This first wave of bombings marked the beginning of what are called the Years of Lead, in which fascist groups like Ordine Nuovo, Avanguardia Nazionale, Ordine Nero, and Nuclei Armati Rivoluzionari engaged in senseless campaigns of murder, arson, kidnapping, and bombings. This violence was then weaponized against the left, which was maybe a bit easier to do because groups like the Frontline and the Red Brigades had been occupying themselves with their own campaign of assassination aimed at rich and powerful individuals. This campaign of right-wing violence continued to escalate throughout the 1970s. On May 31, 1972, members of Ordine Nuovo lured five members of the Carabinieri, Italy's domestic military police force, to an abandoned car outside the town of Sagrado. When they opened the hood, it exploded, killing three and injuring two. On August 4, 1974, a bomb planted by Ordine Nuovo exploded on board the Italicus Express while it was inside a tunnel. The blast and ensuing fire killed twelve and wounded forty-eight. Had the train not exited the tunnel under its own momentum, the death toll would have been much higher. The high water mark came on August 2, 1980, when members of Nuclei Armati Rivoluzionari set off a massive bomb in the waiting room of Bologna Central Station. The explosion brought down the station roof and destroyed most of the building, burying hundreds under the rubble. In the end, 85 died and over 200 were wounded. The Bologna massacre eventually resulted in the prosecution of the right-wing groups responsible. This prosecution, combined with a great number of other factors such as the kidnapping and murder of former Prime Minister Aldo Moro and the discovery of Propaganda Due, the secret fascist Masonic lodge that counted hundreds of Italy's rich and powerful as members, eventually brought about the end of the years of lead and by extension, the Gladio's activities throughout the country. I do want to zoom out here, because I've been talking about Italy for a while, and as you'll recall from the beginning, there were covert stay-behind armies in almost every country in Western Europe. So let's move around a bit. In Greece, it was called Operation Sheepskin. The army consisted of members of the LOK, a special forces brigade also known as the Mountain Raiding Companies. They allied themselves with a group called the Holy Bond of Greek Officers, which was made up of fascist soldiers who had collaborated with the Axis during the Second World War. These two groups received funding from the CIA to fight the communists in the Greek Civil War, which ended in 1949 with a fascist victory and the subsequent outlaw of the Communist Party and the persecution of its members. In 1952, Greece joined NATO, and the holy bond of Greek officers declared that dictatorship was the only way to truly defend the country from the already defeated communists. In 1967, they got their wish. After a series of constitutional crises involving King Constantine II, the CIA-backed factions started to worry that the elections that may would deliver a victory for the centrist coalition led by Georgius Papandreou. So... On April 21st, 1967, a cadre of fascist generals rolled tanks into Athens and seized the city. They immediately suspended the constitution and began to round up left politicians, as well as private citizens suspected of being communists or anarchists. The system of civil government that had previously existed in Greece was almost immediately dismantled, and thousands were sent to isolated prison islands in the Mediterranean. The descent into dictatorship was so fast, in fact, that in September of that year, Sweden, Denmark, the Netherlands, and Norway went to the European Commission on Human Rights to accuse the new Greek junta of violating the 1953 European Convention on Human Rights. In 1974, the regime collapsed due to fear of an imminent war with Turkey over the island of Cyprus. The following year, the leaders of what's sometimes called the Regime of the Colonels were arrested and tried en masse. They were initially sentenced to death by firing squad, which was later commuted to life in prison. Georgios Papadopoulos, who was dictator until 1973, eventually died of cancer in 1999. The existence of Operation Sheepskin was revealed to the public in 1990 in the wake of Giulio Andreotti's testimony to Italian Parliament. According to the Greek government, it was dissolved in 1988. In Turkey, it was known as Counter Guerrilla, which in 1952 formed the Tactical Mobilization Group, a band of insurgents armed, funded, and trained by the CIA. The Tactical Mobilization Group would then go on to form the Special Warfare Department, known by its Turkish acronym OHD. The OHD provided supplies and protection to the Gray Wolves, a fascist death squad that killed thousands of people in terrorist attacks throughout the 1970s. In 1955, the Tactical Mobilization Group organized and carried out the Istanbul Pogrom, a fake bomb had been planted at the house where the founder of modern Turkey, Mustafa Kemal al had been born. As the news spread throughout Istanbul, the TMG bust in hundreds of people from outside the city, who then rampaged through Istanbul, targeting churches, synagogues, Greek and Jewish-owned shops, and the people themselves. The death toll is still not known, but it's estimated to be as high as 30 The event itself has been described as a Turkish Kristallnacht. It turns out that's a pretty apt comparison. The goal of the pogrom was to move the country to the right and force out ethnic minorities to aid in what's called Turkification, or the adoption of Turkish nationalism, ethnicity, culture, and history. On March 12, 1971, with help from the CIA and the Tactical Mobilization Group, the military seized control of the government of Turkey. They almost immediately declared martial law, outlawed the publication of any left or center literature, and began rounding up leftists, communists, and anarchists, and sending them to secret torture camps, the most notable of which is the infamous Ziverbi Villa. Throughout the 1970s, the various groups associated with counter guerrilla continued campaigns of terror across Turkey including the infamous 1977 Taksim Square Massacre, where far-right terrorists sprayed bullets into a protest from the surrounding buildings, killing 42 and injuring 220. These acts of terror themselves were then leveraged by the military to throw another coup on September 12, 1980, which saw the permanent reinstatement of martial law, the dissolution of Parliament, the suspension of the Turkish Constitution, and the outlaw of all unions. Over 600,000 people were arrested as suspected leftists. Hundreds of thousands more were placed on blacklists for their political associations. Eventually, a series of non-competitive elections ensured that the U.S.-friendly Motherland Party assumed control of government in 1983. The two surviving leaders of the 1980 coup were put on trial in 2012. In 2014, they were sentenced to life in prison, though both would die a year later of old age. I could continue to go on. There was Absalon in Denmark, Plan Bleu in France, Agenter Press in Portugal, Project 26 in Switzerland, SDRA 8 and STC Mob in Belgium. But I think you probably get the point. And plus, I've got to end this script somewhere. Operation Gladio and the secret armies of Europe have done an incredible amount to shape our modern world will most probably never know the true extent to which these groups influenced domestic and international politics as the vast majority of records relating to these groups were destroyed in the 1980s. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and maybe learned a thing or two. If you want to do any further reading, all of my sources are in the description. If you did like this episode, then I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and shared it with a friend. Thanks again for listening. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History, signing off.